How's it going there, folks? Welcome to the inaugural number one, number one, <laughs> very first in the season outdoors podcast. I'm Tyler Mahoney. I'm Jeff Falkenberry, and uh, we're super excited to be sitting down doing this. We we have a plan. We're still kind of working through some of the details, right. but Jeff and I have known each other for almost it's almost ten years now, eight or nine years, and we've been working on Truman Lake Fishing Intel and. There's just, there's a need for more outdoor content, uh, especially here locally. Sure. Um, stuff that's really focused on Missouri and the Midwest. And Jeff's done the radio show, of uh, the Missouri Out- Outback radio show there for a long time. And uh, we're just going to revive it, but with a new spin under the Endless Season Outdoors name. And uh, really, really looking forward to it. So Jeff... Why don't you fill everybody in what we're thinking about doing here? Right. So basically, you know, Tyler and I have been talking uh, over a period of time and and doing the radio show with, with Johnny and Linda Everhart, Missouri Outback radio show right here in West Central Missouri for many, many years. I think they did it for something like mm-hmm. 27 years. And uh, I'm 40 years old. Um, we didn't do it last year, but I was first on the show when I was 17. So that tells mm-hmm. you about how long I was doing that show with those guys. And <laughs> And uh, it was on an FM station and aired all over. Yeah. And, you know, we had followers. You guys was following us all the way. We would get emails from uh, troops overseas that, that listened to our show streaming yep. um, through the web and uh, stuff like that. And, you know, some things changed and, and with the station and everything, nothing with the show. Uh, um, thank God Johnny Linder still here plugging along. And I'm sure right. they're probably going to be on here with us sometime. Yep. But, uh you know, some things changed and, and uh, the radio station changed. And so, you know, people all the time is like, Hey man, yeah, <laughs> we missed the show. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, Johnny and Linda are, are, are busy doing things. And Tyler and I've been friends for a long time mm-hmm. and, and, you know, being in outdoors together that we kind of talked and said, Hey, let's do this. Yeah. You know, from what I gather, all the feedback I hear is they want to know what Jeff Falkenberry <laughs> has to say more so than I, but uh, I'm definitely excited and proud to be part of it and uh, helping communicate about the outdoors, teaching and I guess informing uh, because that's, you know, there's a lot of news out there that just doesn't get covered. In fact, I mean, just a little background about me doing the Kansas City Star hunting and fishing reports for the last few right. years. Um, you know, that was a weekly thing. It wasn't ever super in-depth. It was mostly just covering all the lakes in Missouri and Kansas and the occasional story here and there. But the Star, just like many other newspapers, have been cutting back more and more and more and more. And so there's not as many outlets to get that local news information uh, as there were. I mean, the Kansas City Star here at the end of 2020 just said, hey, you know, we're done with the with the Fisher Report. So you know, there was an outlet that folks had been following for several years for fishing news on how the bite was in that particular case. And so, you know, one of our goals is to not only tell you guys a bunch of hunting and fishing stories and kind of shoot the breeze uh, about all kinds of outdoor topics, but also provide some hopefully current and relevant news about what's going on in our area and, and also touch on what might be going on nationally as well if there's something that comes up absolutely there's a lot of information you know that that gets overlooked nowadays um 
I always tell my wife, you know, it's hard to miss anything these days with social media, but, but there's a lot of things that goes on that, that goes unnoticed and, and things that we want you guys to know about, um, whether it's a regulation change, mm-hmm. um, whether it's a, a, a limit change or, or uh, some kind of new permit you can buy or, or, or a, a new regulation right. that, that would allow you to do something. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day about um, they didn't know if they wanted to get into this or get into that. They didn't have their hunter's education mm-hmm. and didn't realize that you could buy an apprentice permit right. for up to two years. Right. And uh, so stuff like that, we want to make sure that, that you guys know. And, and kind of Missouri Outback was always a grassroots show. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of great, great podcasts out there. There's a lot of great television shows out there, radio, radio shows. Um, but, you know, I think our mission and we agree on this, is keep this very, very grassroots. And we're going to bring you guys some really cool mm-hmm. stuff, up-to-date information, um, whether it be with products, whether it be fishing reports, whether right. it be migration reports, uh, rut movement. Yep. You know, um, We're going to try mm-hmm. to flow um, with an endless season right. and uh, bring it all to you um, right here on this podcast. Absolutely. Well, and so with that said, we kind of have a sense of where we're going to take this content for you guys but we're also in the beginning stages uh this could adapt very quickly to change depending on what you guys want to see so once we get this posted it's going to go out on our social media accounts and and online Uh, we're going to get another website up and running but it'll definitely be up at trumanlakefishingintel.com and mahoneyoutdoors.com initially and we're going to take a lot of feedback to see what you guys want us to talk about what you want us to cover, what stories you want us to tell, and who you want us to have on in the future. So uh, there's a lot of different things that we can do, and we're really open to uh, you know whatever kind of presents itself as the as the best opportunity to communicate the most entertaining stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of different avenues that you can take now trying to get this information out there. And this this podcast, you know, Truman Lake Fishing Intel is such a super cool. Uh, subscription to get real-time information mm-hmm. on what's happening at Truman Lake and uh, you know we're gonna take this podcast and kind of kind of broaden that yeah um, kind of deal and and even you know we're talking maybe some video down the way mm-hmm. you know something to be be paying attention to if, if, uh, if everything goes the way we right. plan and, and and you're gonna see some stuff I promise you you will see some stuff and hear about some stuff that you haven't heard about in a long time. And right. thank you that promise because it's going to be super, super cool. Yeah. So really looking forward to it. With that said, I mean, I'd like to dive into some actual, some real, yeah. some real stuff. So get into the details. So one of the things that I'd always been interested in, so just growing up in Lee Summit, but traveling to this area for over 20 years now, because my dad, I've always been fortunate, he's had a farm nearby in the Warsaw or Clinton area. You know, I had always heard growing up, you know, these fishing guides and Falkenberry was always like kind of the, oh my gosh, you know, just really big name seen on social media. And I just couldn't believe actually getting a chance to meet you, you know, eight to 10 years ago. And like, it was just one of those things, like Jeff is almost kind of a celebrity for me to, to finally meet. And then it happens to be one of our neighbors. And um, so with that in mind, I, I want everyone else to know more about you just your outdoor background, your experience, what you've been doing as a career down here. But I guess I want to start with just kind of growing up, 
where you grew up. Was it here in town? Did you kind of gravitate this way? What brought you into the guiding business? And just kind of fill us in and your your outdoor experience, some of maybe some of your mentors that got you into it as well. Sure, man. Uh, I grew up, you know, just north of Clinton here. I graduated, I actually graduated from Pleasant Hill High School. I grew up in East Lynn, little uh-huh. town. And, and uh, my granddad had built a house out in Tightwad right when the lake had went in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, down a dirt road that ended in nowhere. It ended at his trap. He, what was the population on the sign at that time? I don't even know if there was a sign. <laughs> it was... Uh, uh, it was in the 30s. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want not 1930s. I'm saying yeah. the population was right. in the 30s. Right. I do remember that. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, this road went down into the woods, and they started clearing trees, and Grandpa built a really nice house mm-hmm. back there, which is my dad's dad. And, and uh, when the lake went in, my dad and my granddad fishing all the time. And, yeah. And, of course, me. I started going when I was little bitty, and my dad run beagles. We were mm-hmm. huge into uh, running rabbits with beagles. Um I run coon dogs, you know, growing up. Yeah. We, we were just big on, on running hounds. Yeah. Um, and then also my grandfather raised pheasant and quail. We had okay. eight acres and, and about six acres of that was all flight pens. And, okay. And we raised pheasant and quail and I trained some bird dogs and I was just always learning something, whether it be fishing, whether it be running beagles, tree and coons, uh, training pointers and Britneys and, yeah. and short hairs. Um, just the whole time growing up, that's what, I, that was my that was it, man. I, I, I didn't care about working on a car. Yeah. I didn't care about um, building anything. Right. I'm not a carpenter. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I cared about was the wildlife. And, right. you know, my dad and my granddad would get so frustrated because they would send me on a project or whatever, you know, whether it be run down to the shop and yeah. grab a wrench. And it should take me, you know, three minutes. Right. And it'd take me 30 because I'd get sidetracked right. by something. Um and that was just, I knew, you know, I love that. Mm-hmm. And if ever there was a way to make a living, I, I watched those old guys, you know, the, the, the old classics with Bill Dance and Hank Parker yep. and Roland Martin. And all these guys were young when I was a kid. And watching them win, uh, you know, Bassmaster Classics and everything. And I thought, that's what you got to do. You got to go win those tournaments. Right. You got to get paid. You got to right. get paid. And, uh, Growing up, that's what I was gonna do. Yeah, man, I started fishing some bass tournaments and doing this and doing mm-hmm. that, and and of course I had a job as well. And I started working for a guy when I was in high school. Um, he had a, a production facility, and we set up these concerts, yeah. like sound and lighting and everything. And he would have people come in for meetings, and I'm 16, 17 years old. Yeah. And he'd say, Jeff, I got these guys coming in for a meeting, but I have another group of guys that I have a meeting with tomorrow and I don't have anything for them to do. Yeah. He's like, I know you fish down at Truman all right. the time. With your... Why don't you take these guys fishing Right. and I'll meet with these guys. And then when I'm done with these guys, take them fishing. Right. We started doing that. And then those guys would go back to Colorado or Florida or wherever they were from. Right. And then they'd call this guy back and say, hey, can that guy that works for you take out my brother-in-law right. and his wife? Right. And his... So... That's 16 years old, and yeah. you talk about a 20. Everybody says, well, what do you got to do to start guiding? And about a 20-year snowball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what it takes to have a book full of clients. Yeah. I've been super, super blessed to have a lot of those people coming back for many, many, many years. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, I book trips out. Um, uh, here we are in January. Yeah. And I'm booked. I think I have a couple handful of days left in July. Yeah. And then I'm, you know, and so I'm, I'm booking way months ahead right. of time. Just stemming from that, right? Twenty some years of of that snowball yeah. effect. But there was a point in time when I said about 
uh, 12 years ago, I said, I either got to work mm-hmm. or guide. Yeah. And uh, Mike Everhart, who's gone now, is one of my very, very, mm-hmm. very good friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was working for him at the time. Mm-hmm. He said, dude, <laughs> yeah, you know, you got this. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I bailed, and here we are. And you were working up at Everhart's? Yeah. Well, I, I actually worked for him. Uh, he had a security company. Oh, that's right. Ran all the, I ran all the uh, access control and everything for Arrowhead Stadium yeah. and Kaufman Stadium. And uh, I did that and guided in my off time. And yeah. then, then we bought, he bought the Everhart's back from, mm-hmm. from somebody and built it up. And yeah. I, I got to help um, take that from the ground up mm-hmm. with him. And, and so, man, for 12 years, yeah. it's been every day, endless season, one thing into the other, right. in the outdoors. And great mentors along the way, you know. Yeah. Um, my, my, like I said, my granddad, John, Tom, my dad, both gone now. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnny Everhart and my granddad were very good friends. My so that's what I was going to ask because yeah. I figured when you started talking about the dogs, raising pheasants yeah. and quail, there had to be some kind of connection there. Cause... Yeah, so Johnny and my grandpa met, you know, through the store and everything. And then my dad kind of got Johnny into raising quail. Mm. And, okay. uh, and so that, that relationship began when I was about eight years old. Yeah. And so, you know, Johnny's just like another dad or granddad. Yeah, I was going to say, so... I mean that's basically like another family member. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Both my, both my. Um, I mean, he's been a mentor since I was eight years mm-hmm. old, and, and uh, you know, both my dad and my granddad are gone, and and I'm thankful at 76 years old to still have him here. You know. Yeah, a hundred percent. So Johnny's got some pretty good stories that he's told us in the past. How old were you when you first started hearing some of those stories that yeah maybe it made oh. you. <laughs> like yeah, I don't know about that one. Yeah, oh, probably. I've been hearing those for a while. Yeah, probably. I've been hearing those for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he's got some doozies. Um, but I'll tell you one thing: was when Johnny tells you a story that that's an experience. He he truly believes that happened. Yeah, he truly does. And it, you know, it may be about Sasquatch. It may be right. about laser beams, but. But deep down, he, he'll tell you he saw it with his own eyes. I think a great episode for everybody is going to be at some point having him on to tell some of these awesome stories because they're incredibly captivating. And, uh, I mean, you hear him talking about them, you absolutely believe them. Like, it just, 100%. 100, just the way it is. So kind of kind of cool. So anyway, a little sidebar there. But moral of the story is, you were born and bred to be an outdoorsman and be guiding, it was, sounds like. Yep, I so, was prayed into it, my yep. grandma will tell you. Yeah. <laughs> She's, you know, they just, um, that's just what I did. Man. Yeah. Um, I, in high school, uh, you know, I was in the FFA program, which is really super cool because you can uh, get proficiency awards, as I did, yep. in uh, wildlife management. Okay. And so that was something, you know, the FFA is a great organization that's not uh-huh. all about raising cows and chickens. Yeah, um, I went, actually got to spend my junior summer at MU um, through a Quail Unlimited program, mm-hmm. which is another deal I talked about on the radio show when I was mm-hmm. 17. Um, and, you know, that was through FFA and stuff like that, through the, through the wildlife management stuff. So mm-hmm. I knew that's what I wanted to do. And first I thought I was going to be a veterinarian and then, yeah. and then a game warden and this and that and that and yeah. this. And, and uh, God had a different plan for me. So yeah, I am. absolutely. Well, it's panned out pretty dang well and uh, it's been it's been pretty awesome i'm glad our paths crossed because it just kind of watching everybody from afar like you and like brent frizzy up the kansas city star like 
he always had a big Sunday edition outdoor section. And yeah. growing up in high school and, and grade school, I'd, I'd read that. And I always thought, oh, my gosh, it's so cool, this Brent for Z guy. Yeah. And, uh, and then I ended up meeting him, and he's just like the most down-to-earth, yeah. kind of raunchy, hilarious yeah. old guy that – uh, just such a great dude, and he helped get me the gig at uh, the Kansas City Star. And it just, like you said, the plan for everything comes into place. I really wish we never would have sold our Warsaw place because it was right. just so special right. and spectacular. But put me in position in the middle of college as I was trying to figure out what the hell I was going to do with my life, and I knew I wanted outdoor communication to be part of it, whether right. or not it was full time. And it put me in position to know you and Brent and all these different people that, uh, you know, were pretty instrumental in getting me into a position where I felt like I could actually do something a little more uh, fruitful than just write a story here and there. Yeah. Boom, yeah. Truman Lake Fishing Until is born, you know, eight to ten years later. So a little took it a little while, but that's uh, it's been pretty cool how it's all kind of come to fruition. So Well, it had to go that way with me because... My granddad used to, I spent all my summers, you know, yep. when school would get out in the summer, I'd come down here and yep. we'd fish all summer long. Yep. I'd basically live with my grandparents until school went back in and then right. I'd go, but my mom and dad would be down every weekend uh -huh. in the summer. But uh, my, my granddad, we'd pull up to the boat ramp and he'd go to get the truck, you know, and mm -hmm. I'd be standing over here talking to these guys, pulling their boat out or yeah. taking their boat in and, you know, hey, did you guys catch any today? Blah, blah. I'd be in their boat looking yeah. at their fish. Right. You know? And I remember my grandpa telling my grandma, like, somebody's going to run off with this kid one right, of these days. Like, right. he's not scared to talk to anybody. Right. And he just goes and, you know, just does his own thing. It's like, some stranger's going to run off with him. Right. And so so then it was like a, a people-person type deal. And, and now to look back at that, and I travel pre-COVID. Yeah. All over, you know, they... they had me come to these shows and do seminars and, mm -hmm. and these different places. And we're leaving this weekend for... One of my favorite sports shows in Carruthersville at Grizzly Jig. Um, really, really super cool show, and I'm mm. so glad it's happening. Mm. But uh, I get to talk to all these strange people, yeah. you know, that yeah. I don't know. Clients, yep. you know, a lot of my clients are returns, but I do meet new people all the time. And it's just funny how that stems back yeah. to that. Well, he's not scared to talk to anybody. Right. Somebody's going to run off with him someday. Right. And then now here I am. And, yeah. And you talking about this famous thing, man. I Yeah. Hey, it's, it's it's far from famous. I, I, it's just kind of funny. Like I know what you mean, but like <laughs> to me, and I know a lot of other people. It's like, oh my gosh! Like the chance to get to know Jeff is just a cool thing that you would never imagine. It's just a, it's a weird deal. Uh, social media makes it. Social media has changed it where everybody's a lot more accessible, and like you can be friends with someone on Facebook without really knowing them right, and follow right. along. Like, oh my God, they're catching the hell out of fish, and yeah. this guy's a freaking legend. And but just, a guy like me, or a guy like uh, Richard Bowling, right, or or Johnny Everhart, or Brent Frazee, yeah, Kenny Kaiser, those guys, all these guys, uh, and I was fortunate and blessed to be in that part mm -hmm. pre-social media, right, right. So when social media came along. Um, fortunately for us, it was a household name. Right. You know, and somebody said that. I said, oh, uh, I called to get reservations to take my daughter ice skating for her 17th birthday right. every weekend. It's like some teenage girl, you know, and she was like, what's the name? And I told her, and she was like, oh, do you know a guy that fishes down blah, blah, blah? Like, yeah, yeah, I am that guy. <laughs> I am that guy. And then they always ask me, apparently there's a principal at Lee Summit that uh, has the same last name. Oh, She's really? Like, do you know Principal Paul Barrel? Ah, no. <laughs> That's hilarious. But, yeah, it's... You get that sometimes. Yeah. 
my grandmother, she thinks it's funny because when she goes to the doctor or whatever, somebody reads her name, oh, do you know Jeff? Yeah. And so they think that's pretty funny. And, and but for me, it's uh, it's cool, but yeah. I'm not famous. Everybody <laughs> knows who you are around here. Plain and you run the show around Truman Lake. Now, let me ask you this. So, in the season is very apt for what we're going to be talking about all the time because it's everything, not right. just fishing. Um, it ties into my next question, which is you also do a bunch of duck guiding. And you do some turkey guiding. Yep. What's, you know, if you were to compare the fishing to the duck hunting and the turkey hunting, I'm just kind of curious which one is more difficult. Man. Uh, difficulty. I guess it all depends on Mother Nature. Yeah. Whether you're fishing or hunting or whatever yep. you're doing. Um, it all depends on Mother Nature. Everybody asks me, what is your absolute favorite of favorite of favorites? Um, I would probably say spring turkey hunting is yeah. probably my yep. my go-to. Right. I mean, that's that's my my bread and butter. Right. That, that For me personally. Yeah. Now, would I like to guide anything where I can put a smile on somebody's face? Right. Um, seeing, you know, people catch the biggest catfish or the biggest crappie or... or shoot a green head mm -hmm. or whatever you know that that's what does it for me i don't have to catch right i don't have to catch any fish i don't have to i gotta shoot a long beard right at least one yeah um, I, I hear you but uh you know if i shoot some ducks fine if i don't fine but taking people that's, right. that's where it's at and you know if a person that's a call i get a lot mm -hmm. it's like how do i get into doing this you know <laughs> um you have to have that yeah like, I don't care how good of a fisherman you are, how good of an outdoorsman you are. Um, if you're going to guide for a living, it's got to feel better to watch somebody else do right. it. Right. Right. And so, um, that's me. Mm -hmm. That's in a nutshell. I would rather right. watch you be successful as myself. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, it takes a lot. But, yeah, uh, probably turkey hunting. Yeah. Me, but we just finished up duck season, which was a struggle for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, there wasn't any food because we had early yep. floods. Uh, for the first part of the season, a lot of guys didn't have water, mm -hmm. but we got it later and stuff like that. But roller coaster of a season, but for us overall, pretty it's good. pretty doggone yeah, good. That's yeah, awesome. a good time. And we got a pile of ducks here right now. Yeah. Season's over. <laughs> yeah. When I was driving home down to Joplin uh, yesterday, there's, no, this is in the south zone. South yeah. zone was still open isn't it or is it did it close this weekend i think this weekend yeah. okay regardless freaking piles <laughs> of them and these little like that little road ditch yes <laughs> yes yes and like yes. these little ditches in the cornfields yeah. just loaded hundreds and like you little <laughs> yeah. yeah they're on truman right now yeah. i'd say i'd say this up the upper end of truman is probably holding 50 to 60k dollars wow. right now oh i mean it's goodness. unreal yeah beautiful beautiful really it is so one of my questions was uh that i was going to ask you was if you had to just pick one the rest of your life which i know is impossible for a guy like, like you and me to like one thing to hunt or fish and that's all you're doing you're not fishing you're not hunting anything else you already said spring turkey is kind of like your favorite thing yeah. to go guide for. Do I get to do that all year long? Well, or I, I don't it, know. Is it like turkey season still only three weeks? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no regulations, I would say. And oh, man. So it's it's almost an impossible. So you kind of answered it a little bit. Um, I'd probably go with spring turkey, though, if it were me. Even with the limited season, just that, just the excitement around it. Yeah. Um, 
But I had another question following up to where you felt. So there's a couple of questions here. Okay. A, pick whatever, because I just want to know. I'm just kind of curious. I'm going to say turkey hunting. Yeah. You know, for the most part. It, your heart beats different. Yeah. When a bird gobbles at 20 yards. Yeah. I'll 100% guarantee you. Yeah. Absolutely. So my follow-up question to what I had asked, which was, where do you, what's the most challenging? I want to clarify that with, what do you feel the most pressure on waterfowl. when you're on a guide trip? Waterfowl? Waterfowl, 100%, because there's a lot of variables in fishing, uh-huh. tons of them, that you can't control. Mm-hmm. Um, but those fish are there yeah. somewhere. Right. Um, with ducks... It's a migration. Right. I mean, if, if they're not there, they're not there. Right. And <laughs> there's not nothing you can do about <laughs> right. it. Right. You know, it's not like you have 100 acres right. and you know there's deer on that 100 acres. Right. Right. Not just those deer pass through at certain times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, definitely waterfowl. Yeah. Definitely waterfowl just because of the migration. Yeah. And nothing, and, I, and I'm pretty hugely, I'm, I'm hugely honest, but yeah. I tell my guys, you know, before they come is, you know, hey, it's, it's a little bit slow, blah, blah. But I never, I never really, very rarely does somebody say, well, we'll hold out. Mm-hmm. Because I get 60 days of duck guiding, and that book's up usually a year ahead of time. Uh-huh. And and they come to hang out and shoot the breeze, have a good time. They know we're going to have fun, ducks or no ducks. Right. And that's that's been a huge blessing. Right. But that's probably the most stressful. Yeah. And it's the worst when you know. They're coming. You've got a big group. Right. And you know, man, we don't have the birds. Right. And we haven't had the weather to have mm-hmm. the birds. And so that's that's what's rough. Yeah. With fishing, they're there somewhere. You can go find them on electronics. They're always biting somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere they're always biting. Yeah. And uh, you may run out of time that day to find those right. biting fish, but right. somewhere they're always biting. Yeah. And so I'd say waterfowl is most stressful. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I was just curious because for me... I think I've told you like uh, I I would I couldn't handle that stress of feeling like I have to because most people I assume they come down they judge a successful trip on uh, um, most people straps and stringers yep yep hundred percent and and the work that goes into it yeah you know for a maybe right you know what I mean a maybe it's not again it's not like you got this farm with all these deer on it and you go plant a food plot and you put up a tree stand you know you're gonna see some deer right. You know, you're cutting brush, you're spraying, you're pumping, you're doing this, you're covering blinds, you're duck gear now is right. off the charts yeah. expensive. Yeah. So, you know, you got six, seven, eight thousand dollars worth of gear yeah. and all this stuff, and you hope that they pass through right. during that sixty days. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So it's that's 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 stressful. Yeah. Well, and just what you just mentioned is part of what's kind of deterred me from going all in in the duck hunting because I've already got about that much. I don't want to scare anybody away. And about that much in freaking just my own personal deer hunting equipment, let alone the cost of the land. Yeah. Uh, luckily, my dad has taken care of that part. But but it, just like turkeys. Yeah. You know, your heart beats different when the turkey gobbles at twenty. Yep. Your heart beats different when there's fifty mallards backpedaling yeah. over the decoys. Yeah. Dogs whining, ready to go. Yeah. And you're just like, all right, boys, let's get them. So throughout the season, I know you had a good season, but 
over the course of 60 days, I mean, you've been doing this a lot of years, is there a particular time frame? Is that opening weekend? Is that like, okay, that's the freaking weekend that I love. I'm always guaranteed freaking birds. Like, it's late. All the dice. Yep. Um, or is it, I mean, I'm just kind of curious. I want to see your perspective on just your years of experience, when the migration has happened, when you recall having some of the better outings out, yeah. out in the water. You know, um, this year early was really good. Mm -hmm. Last year early was really good. Um, we're seeing some colder snaps in that October range. Mm -hmm. And so we're getting some early migrations. Yeah. Uh, but traditionally, usually that week of Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. we have a pretty good push. And we'll ride on those. I, say, I usually say we ride on those ducks till about the first, through the first week of December. Yeah. And then it gets dicey. And then the last, if we can get things to start freezing up, um, where you're keeping holes open mm -hmm. and, and you've got the only open water, we'll usually bang on whatever's around then. So, right. you know, what we like is a little trickle, say every week and a half yeah. or so, you get a nice little push on a cold front and then you bang on those a while and then you get another nice little push. Mm -hmm. Keeps those birds fresh, keeps them from getting stale. Mm -hmm. But uh, usually around Thanksgiving is usually pretty good and, yeah. then, and then late season. Right. Is, is really good last last week of December first week of January yeah so yeah that's that's just it's fascinating and it sounds like this year again from someone who doesn't really focus on the duck hunting sounds like you usually need a lot of cold weather up north that yes. never quite came to fruition that no and, and it didn't till yeah. now <laughs> yeah yeah and now they got it now the ducks are here but and that's gonna happen yeah I mean that's gonna happen and and then there's going to be other years where they push through and you run out of ducks before season's mm -hmm. over. You know, I mean, you get cold, you freeze up tight, and yeah. everything is gone. Yeah. But but this year just wasn't one of those years. We had a lot of ducks early. Mm -hmm. We had weird migrations coming back from the south on big warm-ups. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It was Overall, it was a good season. It yeah. Was a, it was a good season, but it, it was an odd season. Right. So when hunting is tough, and granted, I don't know, a lot more people with COVID had a chance to get out that didn't normally. Um, but I guess, and I know this could be taboo maybe to talk about and divulge too much stuff, but, you know, for the guys that are maybe, they've got to focus on public land. They mm -hmm. don't, they're not going to go book a trip with someone like you. They're not going to go try to get private land access. They're going to stick right. to public land. I mean, what's some advice that you have for folks that uh, might help them be a little bit more successful down the road, especially in a challenging year like this year, where um, there wasn't water in a lot of those places. Yeah. We got some water late, just not enough. Yeah. It would have made, you know, it obviously would have made more hunting for some more folks. Yeah. I mean, some of the public ground around here got a little crowded this year. Yeah. Um, and, and things changing with COVID, Canada closing the borders. Everybody thought, well, all those ducks, you know, going up waterfowl hunting in Canada now has gotten huge with non-residents. Mm. Everybody's going up there and banging ducks and geese. And, mm -hmm. and this year, Canada closed the borders because COVID. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there wasn't the non-resident hunters up there. So yep. everybody thought, man, lots more ducks, lots more ducks. I don't, I didn't really see that there was a lot more than any other year. Well, is there any thought process to, if the pressure isn't on them up there, maybe they would hang out a little bit longer? They shot but... birds a lot later than I've ever seen them shoot yeah. out there, but they didn't have the weather also. Okay. So, but as for advice on public land hunting, uh, 
it's gotten huge. Yeah. Right. And with the evolution of that, the mm -hmm. evolution of social media and podcast and right. television and everything else. Yeah. Um, the main thing, man, is, you know, don't forget your morals, right. and your ethics and your respect. Yeah. You know, don't be, uh, setting up on top of one another, set up downwind from a guy shooting birds on the swing. Mm -hmm. Um, Duck hunting is straight a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, the traditional guys like Johnny and, and myself. Yeah. I shoot a 20 gauge. He shoots a 20 gauge. We like Mallard's backpedaling over the decoys. Right. Guys say, well, you're not going to have that on public ground. You're, you're not going to get to shoot Mallard's. If you if they swing by close enough, you mm. got to shoot them. So they're shooting long range yeah. chokes and long range shells and this and that. Well, the only reason that if they swing, that it's like that is because everybody's doing it. <laughs> right. If everybody would get in the right mindset, mm -hmm. you know, and say, hey, you know, yeah, we're not going to shoot these treetop, these birds. We're not going to shoot them way up mm -hmm. there. We're not going to, I think that they would not see Not going to sky blast them. Yeah. I've watched some pretty hilarious YouTube videos because I've got some buddies that are starting to really get into it. Yeah. And um, so I've just been kind of just watching from the sidelines and learning more and more about it and like they'll send in our little group text messages some of these youtube videos of like guys that are like in on public land they're hunting and they're they're like videoing another group that's just doing all these agree everything you just said not to do they're doing it and like they're just like oh my god these guys are gonna shoot them and these birds are like a mile they are so high and there's guys putting this stuff on youtube yeah that they're doing it on purpose yeah you know and that's it's it's Loserville, yeah. dude. I wish there was like a CIA, mm. like your buddies that are filming this. Yeah. I wish there was like a CIA of of undercover waterfowl. Yeah. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Where they were like, all right, when they see that, they just go over and just just wear them all out. Right. <laughs> just, right. Just right. Just just pistol whip everyone. Right. Out. Right. You know, it's like it's that's senseless. Right. Um, it's not ethical. It's not moral. It's not waterfowl hunting. It's yeah. not anything that waterfowl hunting should be right um it would be just like taking football or basketball or baseball or something traditionally that's been you know that everybody knows how the game is played mm -hmm. and then trying to change it right you know what i mean it's the the heritage is starting to slip because of things just like what right. you expect saying yeah, it's pretty wild and something like, again, I don't totally understand all, like, I can't appreciate as much as you, like, some of these negative things that are occurring. I mean, the one video that they sent where they were sky blasting you can so tell. high, it was, I mean, it was hilarious. I mean, even someone who knows and doesn't know a lot about it, like, what on earth? Yeah. And it was, I mean, and I, just kind of crazy. I hunt some public land. Yeah. And, um, but... That you won't see me doing that. Yeah. I mean, that's just, it's not in me. Yeah. Um, I'm better than that. Right. I, I won't ever say I'm better than anything. Yeah. But I'm better than yeah. that. Um, well, just... <clears throat> you know, the whole point is, I don't know, there's a sporting aspect of it, and you're trying to work that bird in and, like, More outsmart the bird. You're, like, that's part of the process is not just not going for the straps of birds, right. but to actually work. It's like calling a turkey in, like, right. I, per, I do love to spot and stock turkeys, but just being able to work that bird in full strut in your decoys, there's just a different level of sportsmanship there versus freaking just sky blasting them. Seeing how far you can shoot him. Right. And that, and that turkey hunt's doing the same thing. Yeah. You know, you're getting these guns that are designed to shoot 80, 90, mm -hmm. 100 yards, and guys in other states say, 
well, man, if we see him, we got to shoot him. Yeah. I mean, we got to have that. No, yeah. That's because you're all in that mindset. Right. Everybody's in that mindset. That bird's been boogered eight times <laughs> right. by guys thinking the same thing you're thinking. Right. He's been shot at at 80, 90 yards. You know yeah. what I mean? And Yeah. It's that's just what it's come to, man. Everybody's just got to get it's, mm-hmm. it's different. I I've been very fortunate in life that my dad used to have a place in Windsor, then sold that place, got the big place in Warsaw, which was a big piece where you could just roam. I mean, from my age of ten to twenty-two, growing up on a place like that, that literally you just keep roaming and you're never gonna see a fence line all day. Yeah, and got very spoiled, quite honestly. Yeah, um, very lucky, got to experience some really cool stuff. But with COVID this past year. I ventured onto public land, moving down to southwest Missouri with my fiance Sammy, who's from there. Um, I was like, you know, I can't make it up to Clinton. It's a two and a half hour drive. I can't do as much hunting. Kansas opens sooner with a bow. And I started to get in on that public land turkey action over at the Mineland Wildlife Area. Yeah. 15,000 acres, and it's got a buttload of water on it. (laughs) And a bunch of mine land strip pits and... I had I had the place to myself, leading up to archery opener. Should have killed. I shot at one and wounded it, and it got away. It was just a, a non-lethal hit. And uh, literally first hour of my hunt on opening day of archery, and I'm like, this is not happening on public <laughs> land. Like literally, we walk into the field. It's a freaking mile long walk, and I'm carrying a ground blind, camera equipment, chairs. Bo, Sammy's carrying some stuff, uh-huh. and we get into the field. Snacks. Yeah, yeah, and uh, a freaking guy from the KDWPT drives in in the middle of the day. We get there at noon, and I'm like, "Son of a gun, man! Like, you're dri- how, What are the chances you drive in on the middle of the day, right in the yeah. spot that I'm gonna hunt? Stops and talks for a while, and then drives around our entire field. <laughs> He's like, oh, "I'm just inspecting to let the farmer know like what it's looking like back here." So Sammy and I just were like, okay, whatever, messing around watching freaking videos on the phone. And I was calling every 15, 20 minutes. And all of a sudden, you're a gobble. I'm like, the hell? <laughs> I look out, there's this strutter a few hundred yards away. Comes marching in, and I just made a bad shot. And yeah. uh, but Did you get it on film? Uh, yeah, I got a bad <laughs> shot on film. Uh, so that is never released footage. Um, but regardless, so... Fast forwarding to like some of the lessons on public land. So that was the first, I mean, that was like the only unmolested day that I had of not encountering someone because it was soon after that, that shotgun season starts a week later. So I had this place scouted out like no other and had close encounters. After that day of wounding that one, I had multiple close encounters again with the bow. But the day before shotgun opened, I was in there, but no one was... I was in there the night, that night listening, roosting them. No one was there. I'm like, dang, this is I can't believe it. No one's going to be here tomorrow morning. And I'm like, it was a 45-minute drive from the house. I'm like, I'll get there at 4.30. I'll, I'll get there way early than I normally would. That'll be fine. Freaking two vehicles. I'm like, you are kidding me. And and so I talked to the guys, and as soon as I pulled up, they meet, They were sitting in their cars still. Immediately started getting out like, oh, crap, we, now we got to get in there. Get get out, get in here. And I'm like, okay, guys, hey, hold on a sec. I want to know where you're going because there's not a lot of places. Right. And, of course, they're like, we're going right here. And I'm like, you. <laughs> like going right to the spot where they were roosted. I'm like, these guys clearly know. 
they clearly know the way the birds work around here. But I asked them, like, have you done any scouting? I'm just kind of curious because I just wanted to know how they knew because I was the only one in there. They're like, no, we haven't been out a single time all year. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. I've been, out, I've been out here for weeks. <laughs> and um, needless to say, didn't kill one that day. And it got so pressured so fast that not only was there no parking, I tried to go in by boat along this river. And that was, no one else was doing that. But even getting into these spots that I thought no one could get to, there's freaking people back there. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. And so I luckily had scouted some, some actually some uh, wildlife, uh, the, the, the waterfowl refuge areas that there's parts of them you can't hunt, but other parts that you can. And I had found this place to the north that I'm not going to mention because I'm, mm-hmm. I know it's going to be a honey hole. And uh, not a freaking soul. Perfect. was there and i had been on this bird listening to him in the afternoon at 3 30 great thing about kansas Hello. all day missouri better get there that's all i'm saying <laughs> but regardless i'm not a fan yep regardless second day i go in and sure as hell this is a whole story we can get to more towards turkey season but he was in there and i got him so not another soul in sight every single time i was on that place the moral of the story is scouting works wonders. Not everybody has the chance to scout, so develop some kind of network of guys yeah. that are willing to share some information. Because what was really cool, so I will say this. I met a kid that was, I'm 29, I think he was 22, 23, and he was parked. I was driving around listening in the middle of the day on opening day over there, shotgun at the Mineland area, and he was just parked uh, started talking to him we ended up hunting together like yeah. we hunted together that next day from the boat got on birds and they stayed in touch and like he and i'll probably go turkey hunting now and that's and a super so, cool thing yeah. how that and that's how it should work yeah man. i've duck hunted with guys on public land. yeah um you know whiteman air force base yep. isn't too far from here where i live and and uh and i've had guys come walking in you know like oh we're sorry and you know we, and then we get talking you know like well we're stationed at mm-hmm. whiteman you know i'm like Come on, yeah. jump in. Yeah, know? we've hunted, I've hunted with numerous. Guys yeah, there, but, but uh, then I'm talking about that hunting all day. That's one thing. I mean, it's cool, but I'm not a fan. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Um, and we we got some things to work on here. And yeah. I love Missouri, and it's a great turkey state. Yeah, but but we really dropped the ball this year. Yeah, as, as a as a you know higher than me. Right. Um, in what sense? Like, do you think we should have not let non-residents come in? 100%. Yeah. Every other state shut down. Right. You leave yourself so vulnerable. Right. We had two bad hatches two years in yep. a row. We knew this. Yep. We watched it happen. We knew the numbers were on the decline. Right. Um, we knew we had to have something that right. was going to help bring us back, and this was not it. Yeah. We had ample time. Um, I'd talked to some guys, mm-hmm. you know, uh, all the other states around said, you know, they were shutting down non-resident for COVID yeah. and Missouri didn't follow suit mm-hmm. and they were sorry. Yeah. And they were real sorry. Yeah. Uh, the numbers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it is what it is, but supposedly, we the supposedly there was a better hatch. Um, well, I, we, <laughs> it couldn't have been, I don't doubt could, that. couldn't have been much worse than the yeah. last couple of years. Uh, the weather. No, I mean, yeah. I think we had a, I think we had a pretty good hatch. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah. Was, it was awful. I'm, I'm with you there, especially on the public land, because there's some parts south of Truman that I try to go scout and 
I'll hear birds right before opening day, and then, oh my God, you want to talk about pressure on opening day. And you leave this open all day long? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the fine line, because I really want all day hunting. Like, as far as if you want to increase people's interest in the outdoors and increase opportunities, all day hunting is a no-brainer. Not everybody sure. can hunt yeah. on a Monday through Friday, yeah. and then they're limited to the weekend, and then, oh, by the way, they only have five, six hours to yep. hunt. You know, that's... It's not totally fair to every taxpayer that's all paying the same thing for our conservation land and all that. I'm like, you know, people need to have opportunities. But when it comes to public land, it could be a challenging thing to manage because not you don't just have turkey hunters. You've got everyone else that is out there using it for whatever yep. other thing they're doing. But it's just that much pressure, more pressure on the birds, especially if you allow non-residents. So I don't know what the happy medium is there. And the other part is in our area, we have so much public ground. Yeah. But our uh, game officials don't have any help. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, they've got them spread so thin. Yeah. yeah. There's so many people here. There's no way. Mm -hmm. No way. They yeah. can handle all that. Right. Even if they, if they was to say, okay, you can hunt all day except for public right. or conservation property. You couldn't enforce that. Right. No way. You right. Enforce that. I don't know. I'd, I'd kill a hell of a lot more birds quickly. That's. I guess that might be an argument against going all day. I'm not saying it's just a slam dunk, but I can tell you, you get on a bird anytime between 11 to 3 and he's gobbling. Oh, 100%. You're very likely going to get that bird. But you can whack them off a tree at 4.30 and 5 o'clock, too. Or True. 6.30, you know. I mean, True. I mean, um, you know, the bird bird gobbles two or three times yeah. late in the evening and flies up. And you can yeah. get under and rolling off the limb pretty easy. I go back to this simple thought of, you know what? It's a free country, and if I'm a landowner, I ought to be able to hunt all day. Yeah, but you got you can't you can't do it like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. you got to... There's a lot of things I do different. Yeah, if I was just hunt my own property. Right. You know, what I mean, I'd love to hunt all day on my own property. Right. I'd love season to be six weeks long on my right. own property. Right. right. But you know, you have to. That state ground has got to be. Um, it's a whole different. Almost problem. priority. Yeah. Really, you have to base stuff around that. If we're gonna take in that kind of tourism, right? Then that's what we gotta regulate. Right. You know what I mean? And. Uh, and it was it was actually for the public land. I'm a public land turkey hunter. Mm -hmm. um, I hunt a lot of public land. Mm -hmm. And for the public land turkey hunter, Missouri was awful, mm -hmm. awful. It was just it was so crowded, and uh, I, I could I couldn't believe there wasn't a lot more accidents than what there was. I'm trying to remember. I, I don't know if I sent you the picture like down in uh, I can't remember the name of the exact spot south of Truman here, but. Uh, it was a picture of a truck parked like right in front of one of the gates, like where yeah. it clearly says no parking. Yeah, they're from Arkansas or something. Oh, yeah. so I'm like, come on, yeah. like, I mean, I think everybody should have an opportunity to yeah. here. I mean, yeah, you know, but just it, I, I, I find don't know, it, man. It's just it's rough. Yeah, in our area, I'll say that. I just find it funny, like when you drive up on a spot and someone's just parked wrong, or they're just doing something. You're like, God dang it, like. Quit making public land hunters yeah. get the bad name. And you they... talk to like some, I talked to some of the MDC, you know, higher ups, and they're like, oh, we hunt, we hunt public land, we didn't see anybody. Well, you're hunting a 30 acre conservation area outside of a suburban area. Right. You know what right. I mean? That's a little bit different. Yeah. When you got 200,000 acres of public land out your back door mm -hmm. and 300,000 people hunting it. Right. You know what I mean? It's nuts. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, I will say this because the the science shows in regards to all day hunting 
that there is zero impact. MDC has the data that shows that allowing all day hunting doesn't change good or bad whether the hatch is any different. So, I mean, MDC is always, a, they're all about the science is what mm -hmm. they say. And, you know, the science says that all day hunting doesn't do anything uh, good, bad, and different. So I find that kind of interesting. I have one buddy that always talks about, like, his reason for supporting cutting off at 1 p.m. is that, like, you should just have to do something different other than turkey hunting. Like, you should just be done and go do the other springtime activities, crab mushroom fish. Mushroom hunt. Mushroom hunt and crab fish. And I'm like, whatever. You can, it's, oh, again, going back to my cons, it's a free country. If someone wants to stop <laughs> at 1 p.m. on their own prerogative. I look at it this no way. No one's stopping them. They can go do it. Hunting public land after the first two days, you're chasing a boogered bird. Right. If you're a turkey hunter at all, you know that boogered birds are... are <laughs> yeah. So, um, if you go to all-day hunting, you double the amount of booger birds. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. If you only hunt a half a day, guy's only got right. that much time to screw up yeah. three different gobblers. Right. If he's got all day, he's going to screw up six. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So that's that's kind of my it's my train of, of thought. I will say this: I went I went and checked out the Yurik Conservation Area. <laughs> you talk about that's not a huge piece. No. And there was ten vehicles oh, in, yeah. in the two or three spots. I'm like, there's no way this little it's not little, a few hundred acres, whatever it is. But I'm like, there's no way that many people. Someone is going to accidentally shoot a bird it's here. It's so amazing to me. At 7 o'clock in the morning, all you can hear is hoot tubes yeah. and crow calls. And some guy, oh, 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 Yeah. I mean, just constantly. I will tell you, one of the best turkey hunting experiences I've ever had in my life, and it's been about five or six years, and I don't know if it's like that anymore due to the hatch, but in the Ozark National Scenic Riverway, Riverway down uh, where the current and the Jacks Fork uh -huh. come together, did a trip down there at the Missouri Outdoor Communicators, and was out with a guy named uh, Billy Smith, and uh, we're, it was middle of the second week, and we had a little jet boat put in right at light, and you'd go down these freaking massive Ozark mountains, like you could hear gobbles forever. Right. And like, I'm pretty intense about turkey hunting. Like, there's no other thoughts. You hunt yeah. until one, until something dies. Yes. And, like that is, there's, we're not leaving, we're not going to do this or that. And he was like, oh, we're just gonna do some bass fishing, catch some smallmouth bass. And I'm like, what? <laughs> That's not what I'm here for, dude. Like, I'm here to kill a turkey, man. And, but, Pretty soon we start slamming smallmouth bass, nice ones. So I actually started to kind of forget about the turkeys. But more of the story, over the course of these two days, I had opportunities, but I had never heard more gobbles in my life, more turkeys in my life, just floating down this river. And he was such a good dude. He had, um, in an accident, lost part of his leg, and he was deaf in one ear as well. So he didn't have directional hearing. And uh, But he could call like one of the best turkey callers <laughs> I'd ever heard. And... As soon as we heard one, he couldn't quite pinpoint it. And he was like, I need you to kind of tell me because I, I got to turn my head every right. which way to hear him. And we freaking scaled these mountains and he called in a bird. He was behind me. It, it went just a little out of range. and But then there was another one that we went up on a super steep mountain that he couldn't make it up. I had to go up and got a shot but missed. But moral of the story is that, that following day after I missed, um, we went back to the same spot. Birds were there. I mean, we had... I mean, it was easily 15 to 20 gobblers that I could hear within a mile on public ground, middle of the second week, and not another soul in the woods. Yeah. And so I, I don't know if that was just 
something different about that year where there wasn't very many people, the access to get into those places is definitely challenging. You have sure. to hike a long way. Like going yeah. in by boat was definitely the most productive way. But I mean, there's thousands and thousands of acres down there that. But there's so many people doing that now yeah. too. The whole boat thing, it's a mess. Yeah. But. Well, I don't know. We'll we'll be close turkey season for a while. Yeah, Steve Blake was telling me he didn't hear a gobble no, from, it's from been the boat rough. this past spring. It's been rough. So, kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. We do here in the next few months. We do. We're in January right now. Yeah. Um, I was out today on the lake busting ice. Yeah. And <laughs> catching catfish. Yep. Um, spent about half of our time breaking the ice and then the other half fishing. Yeah. Um, which, which was okay. Um, yeah. We caught a good mess of fish, but it just took a long time to get rid of all the ice. Um, but the bite's pretty good. Did you, you were you able to catch fresh shad? Yeah, and they were all about a pound and a half a piece. They were oh, too big. <laughs> wow. Of course we cut them, but yeah, but, uh, yeah they were great big giant yeah. black fat shad. Yeah. But yeah, the bait was easy and, and the bite was good. Any big blue cats today? No giants. We have one probably 18, 19 pounds. Yeah. No big overs, big slots. Mm -hmm. But uh, a lot of good eating size fish. Yeah. A lot of good eating size fish. So. Well, now, contrary to what the general public tends to think, right now is freaking great time to be on the water. Excellent time, yeah. And it's going to get better, too. Yeah. We get some of them days when the sun shines and the wind blows. That's yeah. going to get good, but. And that's not just for blues, that's crappie as well. White bass. Yeah. White bass, they're going to be running here for too long. That's going to get real good. And they'll run up into the creeks. Yeah. yeah. Creeks and rivers. Yeah. Yeah, and they're getting, they're full, 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 full of eggs right now. Now, so. the lake had been very low for quite some time. Now, I think, it, is it still a couple feet up? 708, from? 72. Almost okay. three feet. Yep. Yeah. So, it's kind of, just kind of funny. Truman Lake, just the way it fluctuates. Yeah. That's one of those variables that's time. Yeah. yeah. Change overnight. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, we had all from the beginning of summer all the way through November, uh, freaking almost two feet low. That's been the, the beauty of guide life, you know, for the last whatever 20 some years I've been doing mm -hmm. it. You know, um, we didn't have the luxury of live scope where you yeah. see one and drop a jig on its head till it eats, and right, um, you know, you had to fish. Yeah. Not that I'm against live scope. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, it's, it takes the fishermen out of fishing. It's yeah. a great tool. I think mm -hmm. it's cool. And I, I wish everybody had one on the nose of their boat, but it takes the fishermen out of fishing some. And you know that that variable lake fluctuation mm -hmm. was a was a huge factor. You know when it comes to fishing. Right. Now you have the live. Is it live? I have live sight right now. But it, but you're getting the active target. Active target. I was, yep. I was trying to remember what it was called. Yep. Active target, Lawrence. Uh, active target. Yeah. Yep. We're gonna, we're gonna strap that on the G3 and, mm -hmm. and see what we can do. And but uh, as for now, we're still just going fishing. Yeah, yeah. Freaking active target. I've only seen a few video clips, but it looks. I can't wait. Dude. Yeah. I can't wait. It's it's extreme. Yeah. It's really super cool. I mean, these fish don't have nowhere to hide. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, they can't hide now. I mean, right. You know, it's it's cool. It makes people really successful. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and you know everything has its place and and the. Uh, you know, a lot of the big controversies now. Everybody, they're gonna fish the lake out. You know, it's gonna hurt mm. the crappie population. It's not. Yeah. Um, there's limits for a reason, mm -hmm. and our regulations are set to protect our resource, and and so I think we're gonna be all right. Well, there. I mean, I don't know how they would estimate the population of crappie in Truman Lake, but it's 
Unreal. Got to be. I mean, I don't know. It's saying is in the millions. You think it's possible oh, that yeah. it's it's in the millions? Have to be. Yeah. It have to be. I mean, that's unfreaking real. Yeah. I'd love to know. I was talking about that with David Ryan the other day. Like, I'd love to know the just the number of fish. Every fish: spoonbill, carp, gar, catfish, <laughs> in Truman Lake. Like, <laughs> holy cow! Blow your mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. It's, and then how far do you take Truman Lake? Yeah, you know I mean? true. Because I, mean, I would say the river runs all the way in Kansas. Yeah, Grand River runs all the way up. You know, yeah, that's Truman Lake. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. So how far do you take it? Yeah, it's just a very interesting. Con- well, like a couple years ago in Jacomo, this was kind of interesting in Lee Summit, little nine hundred acre lake, and back in the sixties and seventies, they had stocked a weird number of spoonbill, like twenty three or twenty four, random. Uh-huh. Right, there was some local fishery. Uh, a guy named Stephen Delgado is a local tournament fisherman in the bass fishing scene. Was fishing Jacomo tournament. Comes up on a this was in 2018. Comes up on a giant spoonbill. What could very likely have potentially been a state record fish. <laughs> well, guess when spoonbill were put in there? Mm-hmm. Freaking 60s, 70s, and there was 23 of them. Unless someone snagged one and let it go, right. which is right. a possibility. Yeah. Um, but it's just kind of fascinating to think about some of that stuff. When well, they're so prehistoric. God yeah. knows how long they live. Yeah. It's, well, here's what's crazy. That could very easily have been the oldest fish in the lake. Think about that. Oh, yeah. That's just something crazy. Because it's not like Truman where they could have right. any number of oldest fish in the lake because right. there's so many spoonbill. Like, there was 23 spoonbill. That fish could have been the oldest one in the lake. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Just kind of wild. So, anyway. Um... Well, I kind of want to save some topics for... Uh, yeah, definitely. We don't want to give it all to you. Yeah. We're going to try to stay right around an hour for these, and we very likely could end up talking for a lot longer than that, oh, uh, yeah, especially sure. when we get a guest on. Sure. Um, but it's just kind of fun to talk hunting and fishing. This is just the first of many, and we'd love to take your guys' feedback as we put these out, what you want to see more of, less of, and if there's particular topics down the road that you think of. But uh, we really just want to kind of get into talking, hunting, and fishing, and what the average guy is doing. I feel like we're kind of... Sure. As this progresses, you know, and we get in, and like like I said, we keep moving forward, and we get the the, uh, website built up Mm -hmm. and we can start taking some feedback. you know, there's there's a chance later down the road we can start taking some call-ins and things like right. that, and and start talking to you guys um, uh, over the phone, you know, right. on the show live. So well, it's very likely because I don't know some of you out there might watch uh, Joe Rogan podcast or the Stephen Rella podcast, and they definitely they they start YouTube live and they start going, and that's definitely something that we have in mind uh, to take this. Absolutely. Uh, so really looking forward to it. Um, we're sticking with it. It's the endless, it's the endless season outdoors podcast, right. uh, courtesy of Jeff Falconberry, and I'm Tyler Mahoney. We're looking forward to uh, talking a whole bunch more here down the road. Thanks a bunch for watching. We'll catch you on the next one.